Oh, so Lucas, how is life with dog? Tell me life. more about owning dog. Life with puppy is very, very cute and very, very tiring right now. I'm so jealous that you have dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We're getting straight into it. Um, this is now uh, a dog cast. Lucas, tell us about your dog. Well, um, over it. his name is Cade, as in Cade from uh, Destiny, oh, the man. game. And um, not like Destiny's child related, don't worry. Um, but yeah, he's a little miniature Dachshund, and he's like <laughs> he's, a, he's a mini Dachshund. So not only is he a puppy, he's a mini puppy. <laughs> so good, he's so tiny. And yeah, he's just like cute and adorable, and go like find me at like you know Canto Legend underscore on Instagram and Twitter, and you'll see plenty of little pictures and videos, and you can. Uh, Mate, this is like a next level way to um, improve your social media. Just get the cutest, most adorable dog possible. <laughs> but I, as well, I, I am a big fan and proponent of what you've done, which is give your dog a, a name related to one of your interests because it's a do- dogs don't give a shit what they're called, do they? No, exactly. And have you had any pushback to that yet? She said you've named it after something in Destiny, which is not a game I've played, but I know it's a game you're a big fan of. Yeah, it's a, a video game me and Jenna specifically play a lot of together as well so it means mm-hmm. a lot to both of us but we haven't so much had pushback but i've had quite a few members in my family be like messaging us like oh Cade's an unusual name like where's that from it's like oh it's from destiny a game that we play and it's like oh no response it's like yeah. okay yeah. same thing happened with me it's <laughs> yeah. like i have a tattoo on my arms well, that's an interesting tattoo what's that from i go oh it's from super metroid what's that it's a video game You've, you've got a tattoo of a video game and it's like yes Sandra with I've got a tattoo of a video game that I still play to this day how's that tattoo of your ex-boyfriend's name on your shoulder looking <laughs> it's like I, d- I don't get the idea it's like oh oh you, you're interested like, specifically with video games mm-hmm. like, if you named him after a character in a book in fact, even if the character in the books Cade is a perfectly acceptable name for a dog yeah it's perfectly fine. It's, like I say, it's unusual, but it's not strange. It's like one syllable, Cade. Yeah, it's, it's a nice short name, like easy to use. And like, as you say, it's not out of the boundaries of like usual, like kind of, it, it hits that line a little bit because it's not as if we've called him fucking Gandalf. Yeah, something stupid like that. But at the same time, that'd work too. And if, would, you'd your, if, if you'd called your t- dog Gandalf, people would be like, oh, that's a cute name for the dog. Yeah. If you called it like Hercules... Or if you called it Hermione or Harry or any name from anybody, regardless of how silly, you could call it Tyrion. Well, he's small, uh, his miniature. The second name that we were thinking of was Odin, just because it'd be hilarious for this like tiny little baby to be called like the god of gods. Yeah, and that would be funny, but because it's from a video game, people do that like double take where they look at you with yeah. eyes that say really. Yeah, and they do that. Do that's they're like really? You're going to do a video game? It's like, yes, a fucking video game. They make a billion dollars a year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's an acceptable form of media that everyone like enjoys, who gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And that was the best one for me because I've had, I've like that was a made up scenario in my head of like having someone criticise. But I have met people who have tattoos of their exes. I just didn't yeah. want to name any names. Who've cr- oh, a video game, isn't that a bit childish? Because well, I still play that game. Do you still mm-hmm. speak to your ex? Like, shut up, I'm getting it covered next week. <laughs> I think, I can't remember what it was. I think it was maybe on um, Tattoo Fixers, like a Channel 4 show. 
and he was getting covered up like a list of his ex's names down his neck <laughs> and each name got crossed out down the line as he like broke up with them. It's like, God damn it, stop getting the names then. The only acceptable one of them I've seen is my sister's dad who has um, the word latrine tattooed on his arm. Okay. So toilet. And it was it originally said Catherine, which is his ex. Oh. So instead of getting it covered up, he had it changed to latrine. So it's toilet. <laughs> Sorry, his, his ex was Katrine. Oh, okay, yeah. Or Katrina or something, so now it says Latrine. And he says, I'd rather have the name, I'd rather have Toilet tattooed on my arm than I would um, her name. And it's like, that is a cover-up. But I've always found it strange, like this weird thing, specifically in regards to video games, where it's like, past a certain age, you're just going to stop playing them. And it's unique to video games as a medium, because no one just looks and goes, oh, don't worry, you'll stop liking books when you like get to 30 you'll yeah. stop watching films you'll stop like watching the same kind of tv shows you enjoy you'll start watching like uh, crime procedurals or um, superhero movies it's like no generally if you like something from age 15 to 30 you're probably going to enjoy it for the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life and it's very strange to me because i kind of get maybe back in the day when it was like very much oh it's arcade games and it's games that are marketed specifically to children. Yeah, maybe. But nowadays, it's like, again, one of the biggest like media industries in the entire world. And it's clearly not marketed to just children anymore. No, it's children like grown don't... up over the past 40 years. Because children don't have disposable income, whereas uh, young adults and people like that, they do. Mm-hmm. And that's who you want to buy a thing. And it's just very strange that um, the permeance... Uh, video games like, as a media it's like people oh no they're never going to last it's just a phase like, I'm like nearly 30 now and like my mum and my dad will still be a bit funny like, when they go into my house and like my dad came over uh, for like a socially distant coffee like two weeks ago hmm. said, oh you got all your console stuff and your TV son I said yeah like, there's my Xbox there there's my Playstation said, you, st- you still play Xbox then dad said, yeah like, do you still watch TV yeah. It's like, yes. So yeah. it's like, well, of course, we're still going to play fucking video games. It's very weird to me that, like, um, my dad had kind of the same thing of always telling me when I was living with him, like, oh, you know, when you grow up and when you get your own place, you're going to have to get rid of all these, like, video game consoles and all these figures you've got and stuff like that. And I, I don't know if, like, people follow me on social media, but they might know that that is very much not the case that's happened. It's not. And the only thing I can think when I hear stuff like that is it's just the done it was the done thing for so long it's like oh you just your interests are no longer something that you can showcase anymore mm-hmm. like you've got to work work is your priority now and i'm always like a concept that i detest just because of what it represents is the idea of the man cave and you'll oh, see yeah. it on a lot of shows like oh yeah we're going to like re-renovate someone's home or i think it was like a lot of like youtubers like oh yeah here's my gaming man cave it's like all that says to me is that either one, you, your interests are like you don't want your house to represent who you are as a person, yeah. or the relationship you're in, it's not one where you share this interest. Yeah. So you have to confine it to one room because it's either too excessive or uh, you can't be trusted to make it tasteful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it just seems, I, I hate the idea of a man killer. This is the room that's all for me. It's like, it's your fucking house. The entire house is your house. <laughs> yeah. Why is your personality not present in like other rooms? It's very Why? strange to me. And um, oh. obviously I have like got the kind of like classic 
YouTube office setup. But yeah, YouTube it's, office. It's like one of those things of, well, I've got more stuff in here because that's where, you know, that's where I'm recording my things. That's where if I ever stream and stuff, that's where people see things in the background. It's and the dumb thing. Yeah, the dumb stuff in the background. But also, me and Jenna have the same interests and we leave all that stuff in the bedroom and in the living room as well. It's just very strange. Uh, the idea that, because um, I've heard from so many mates who like their girlfriends, like they don't let them play FIFA. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, the term FIFA widow is used a lot. It's like, yeah. oh, my boyfriend's playing FIFA. So he's got an interest and a passion. And like, you know, he wants to relax with his friends and do this thing that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like, um, I think there's a video I saw, it's like one of those ones that you look at and it just makes you feel sad for everyone involved. And it was like a TikTok trend or something like that of, oh, turn off your boyfriend's PlayStation when he's playing FIFA with the boys and then see how he reacts. And like, there's one that got posted and I remember it stuck out in my head because um, I, she turns the, the PlayStation off and the guy just puts his controller down and goes, this is all I have. And he, that's, he doesn't oh. get mad. He doesn't shout. He just puts the controller down. It's like, this is all I have. And you think, they're three months into lockdown. And yeah. like, this is pro- presumably the only way he can hang out with his friends. And he just wants like an hour. And you're going to make me sad for internet clout. And you just feel the just the despair in his voice. Like, this is all I have. Oh, God, that's rough. And it's, that's such an awful relationship to be in where, yeah, your interests, like, it's fair enough to not share the interests with the same like, But not even acknowledging them as something that's, like, worthwhile. Yeah, something that's, like, completely invalid just to your entire, like, being. And it's it's so weird because I can't imagine a trend going around on TikTok of, like, oh, walk in when, like, you know, the girls are having a, a gaming night or a film night or whatever and just go and turn the fucking thing off. Oh, just something, like... Uh... Just any interest that you enjoy. Well, yeah, just, just any in... interest in general. But obviously, that's the easy, the easy comparison to make would be like, I don't see that going around a trend in as like, oh, turn his FIFA off. It's just one of those things. It was just so strange. And I saw it. It's like just the fact that guy's like, he's so hurt. Oh, God. And well, he's like clearly getting really... He's like, I just want to play FIFA with my friends. Me and you and oh. like Charlie often, you know, we pretty much got into a routine of streaming Smash Bros on a Monday. And that's like yeah. our little hangout time for the week. Yeah, check it out. And I can't tell you how fucking pissed off I'd be if my girlfriend wants to turn it off halfway through and say, it's just a fucking video game. It's like, this is my only chance to speak to two people I know, for, I've known for 10 years. And, and luckily, I've, I've got... Like, yeah. if, um, if that becomes an issue where you have to walk in and turn shit off, like, maybe that should have been a conversation before it gets off. Yeah. Before you're filming it and putting it out. And I also don't know the story behind that couple, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's one of the things, you just watch it and it's just... Oh man, like you're not even acknowledging that your partner's interests as something that's worthwhile. It's like, yeah, not a lot of hobbies have a lot of value to them. That's the, mm-hmm. that's why they're like, yeah, some of them, I guess, like if you're painting and drawing, like you, you know, you create something that gets seen. Yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, like if it's something you enjoy passing the time doing, it has value in that sense. And I guess like the point of a hobby is to do nothing much more than productive like, yeah it's a, a it's productive just, waste of time that you yeah, find enjoyable a, it is and it doesn't even have to be like productive really as long as it's giving you something that you're interested in and bringing like a bit of happiness to your life like 
why do other people have to judge what you're using as a hobby? Yeah, and it's uh, it's really strange. And we are bordering on like you know gamers rise up territory right here. Oh no, like, I'm not ga- talking ga- about gamers like, specifically, but like gamers are the oppressed minority, Lucas. Yeah, I just think for any hobby, like I know, um, like some people get really into martial arts, and you hear a lot of partners go, "Well, they're too into the martial arts. I don't like it." Yeah, or like any hobby where it's like, but it's an interest, it's a passion, and passion should always be um, uh, celebrated. And I can see. The flip side of the coin, where if like, it's too much of your life is taken up by this. Yeah, I can um, totally see that obviously every relationship needs to have a balance and you can't completely ignore a partner for something else. Otherwise, that's going to cause conflict. Of course it is. But the, the idea of people that go, how dare they spend their time like having a hobby and not just giving me all of their interest all of the time. It's like, come on. Yeah, it's, um, I'm not sure if I've told on the podcast, but I've definitely told that in person before about um, an old girlfriend of mine where um, whenever I'd go to the gym, um, they'd like, like smarmily say, well, I thought you were going to... You said you had the evening free. It's like, yeah, I thought I might go to the gym tonight and go for a jog. Uh, I can come over and see you afterwards. It's like, am I not as important as the gym then? Yeah, and it's... And it's just, you feel, it's like, I, I guess I'll come over now then. Because no, if it's not important, it's like, oh, and it's years later I realised that that's a really toxic element of that relationship that I wasn't, you know, mature enough to recognise or address. Yeah, sure, it's always like harder kinda... to see it from the inside. And I've had moments like that in relationships, and it's just, you look at them and go, that wasn't a healthy 50-50 relationship where, you know, each other's um, uh, needs, wants, and, like, you know, individuality was respected. Yeah. And it's just, oh, God, it's awful. And I do feel for anyone out there who, who who has that. Like, there's someone out there for you, and it might not be the person who belittles you for having fun doing anything. I, I will say as well, like, I um, I often hear a lot of negativity towards the term, like, codependence, and that's what people see it as. It's like, oh, well, both of you blend into one person and become, like, one identity and, you know two people don't exist anymore you can only exist as a couple yeah you can only be invited out as a couple yeah i'm always like i don't see that as like what codependency is i see it as like two people existing like coexisting together and making it work whereas people have turned it into yeah you become like one amorphous blob of two human (laughs) beings and it's like no that's not what it is but i think we've all had the friend who gets a missus and then from that point on you never see that friend oh yeah because yeah. you can't invite him out on his own because he's like, his girlfriend won't let him. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to invite them both because his girlfriend doesn't know you so refuses to integrate with your friend group. Despite That's what ins- I always find weird. The one where had- like, yeah, I refuse to get to know your friends but let's make this relationship work. It's like, it's not going to work then. And all that results in is that friend just not wanting to come out because I've had it, I've seen it on uh, even just like the most casual of get-togethers, like, you know, mm. be- in, before the dark times. Like um, an old friend of mine. Have I told the get rid story before? Um, I think you told it on the Zelda playthrough. Yeah, okay, well, it was an old, old story of mine. So back when I very first started university, so about 10 years ago at this point, a friend of mine got a girlfriend like three, four months into university. Mm-hmm. And this girlfriend was just, as I mentioned, one of those people, they refused to integrate with our friend group. 
Um, they did not share any of the friend group's interests. And as a result, this friend just stopped hanging out with us because whenever he hung out with us, all he would do is stare at his phone because she was insisted that he responded to every single one of her messages. Mm-hmm. And it was like the, to the point where if he didn't respond, after five minutes, she'd call him. Oh, God. And like, again, it's a t- that was a really bad relationship, but he wasn't mature enough to realise it yet. Mm-hmm. And every single time he brought up his girlfriend, me and all of our friends would say the same thing to him. Mate, get rid. <laughs> and he's like, no, she's really nice. Go, we don't see that. All we see is you looking at your phone and getting pissed off that you can't, like, you know, spend time with us. You can't you can't even play ha- a game of Halo without yeah. having to, like, stop halfway through. This isn't good, mate. Get rid. And then, like, she'd come... I think it was a couple of events she came to, like, mutual friends-wise. Mm-hmm. And she sat there like with a face like a slapped ass. Yeah. Just sulking the entire time because no one had talked to her. And then one of the uh, people in the group, like... Went over. It's like, oh, do you want to come over and have a drink? It's like, no, thank you. No one here likes me. Oh, and it's like you've walked in with that attitude. Of course, like, no, you've walked in with a negative attitude. And it's this thing. It feeds into everything. Then, so like, um, any event where she'd turn up, if he did, they did turn up at all, they'd leave early. Mm. So like, I don't feel welcome here. We need to go. Oh and, my god! And it's just that thing. And then every time we spoke to him, I went on a night out. It'd be like, oh, you're coming out tonight, then? So university, you're on the same flat. Yeah. We're having drinks in the flat and go, oh, so you're going to come out tonight with us then, mate? He's like, oh, I can't. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm calling the girlfriend in half an hour. And it's like, mate, you're 18 years old, you're in university. This is realistically the only chance you're going to have to spend time like this and not have to feel bad about it. Yeah. Like, and we said to him, like, look, mate, get rid. Like, she is ruining your fucking life. And yeah. like, I remember he's like, no, she's not. And he got really mad. And I understand, like, we're insulting the girl that he Yeah, felt obviously, you, you want to defend your girlfriend's honour, obviously. But then, flash forward a couple of months, and he started to get sick of it. Yeah. I got to the point where, we're playing Halo, he'd get that text, he'd see his phone go, he'd look at it, see it was from her, and keep playing. Because he was just getting so fucking sick of, like, I am, after this person day and night, I'm so done. And then one day, I just remember, it was like a night out, and we are all in the front room, having a few drinks, hmm. and then he walked in. I'm like, oh, all right, mate, how you doing? I don't want to say any names here. Cause I, 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 of course, yeah. It feels, yeah, it feels yeah. weird to just keep saying, mate, 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 mate. But like, he walks in and says, all right, mate, how you doing? He says, yeah, not too bad. He goes, um, are you guys off out tonight? Yeah. Are you coming? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come out. He goes, what about the girlfriend? And he just went, got rid. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, got rid! I can imagine as well when you're all like sitting there Having a drink as well, but just yeah, yeah, like the roar of just like yeah, he got rid, and it's just now it's just a thing um, in that friend group, and now I try to bring it into other. Like, you can confirm, Lucas, that whenever someone complains about anything, like, mate, get rid. Yeah, like, if it's if it bothers you, get rid. Oh, if you, if clearly you're not happy, get rid. If it's not making you happy, get rid of it. Exactly. Yeah. He just he does not bring me joy. Marie Kondo that shit and get it out of your life. Life's too short to spend it being upset. It really is, and it does sound to me. I will like make the point that obviously, some people would find it hard to like you know get to know a new friend group, and some people are shy or anxious or whatever. But to me, that sounds like that was the complete opposite end of the spectrum of like I'm shutting myself down and I'm going to control this person. Yeah, I'm going to approach this situation with a negative attitude and then yeah. act surprised that people don't <laughs> respond well to that. Yeah. 
So the thing is, and I get it, I, it is difficult to interact. And like university, but then again, university is a melting pot of people, ideas, and like cultures. Yeah. It is. If there's any time in your life you're going to learn to get to know a new group of people, it's fucking university. And that's why, Don't... as much as I had bad experiences with living in halls with random strangers, I would still say it's something you should put yourself through, whether it goes badly or whether it goes well. It's something where it's like, look, you're you're having an experience where you're learning how to live with like five strangers all at once. And yeah, often the disagreements that happen, but it does give you a lot of like social experience. Yeah, not to mention as well, it's I think only university. It's in the UK at least, I don't know about America. America's like a lot more friendly, I suppose. Yeah. Because it's nothing. Uh, but like in the UK, um, it is not generally acceptable to turn up to a party where you know no one there. Yeah, yeah. In university, though, um, you will frequently have like, oh, we're throwing a party tonight. Um, if you're on our floor, join us because we want to make new friends, we want to socialise. Exactly, yeah. And like, um, I'd say you are remiss if you rob yourself of that experience, which is what my friend was doing. He was robbing himself of those dumb university life experiences mm-hmm. that he'd never have a chance to do again such as getting blind drunk with his mates <laughs> and playing like, you might think oh playing Halo with your mates doesn't sound like you're missing out on that much but I still talk about playing Halo with my mates 10 years later it had an effect on me yeah exactly and God I that. Um, very much more so now than ever like you know with the dark times as you <laughs> the Rona times uh, as you've mentioned like I really can't wait until everything is a bit more like normalised again. Hopefully, soon. Um, and just you know what? Let's invite people around, and I've got like two Xboxes, two TVs. We'll turn my sofas like back to back and just do some fucking four-player Halo matches. Just something like that. Yeah, just something, something stupid like that. It doesn't have to be Halo, obviously, but you know what I mean. Of just like get some people around with some drinks and just play stupid video games all night and have a laugh. It's generally those small moments are the ones that tend to have the most effect. Like that small moment of just mate got rid. I'll never yeah. forget. It was just it was so perfect. And you know what? He got rid. And that that girl was awful and I hope she's doing bad. <laughs> she's oh it's nice, mate. It's it's one of those things where I, I felt for the person right up until I spoke to him. Right, yeah. And it's just when you like you speak to someone, they're just they everything's negative. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing goes well in their life. It's like, you having a good time? Not really, no. Do you want a drink? No, I don't like anything that's out. Well, there's a shop nearby. We'll, some couple's doing a shop running a bit. Because I'm just using it, this is exactly the thing that happened. It was a barbecue. Right, No, yeah. I'm all right, thanks. Do you want us to pick anything up? No, I'm not hungry. Uh, okay. Uh, do you want to come over? We're going to play a drinking game in a bit? No. And then they was complaining to our friend, which we found out after the fact, like when he was like dishing the dirt. Yeah. On that evening where he's like, come on, mate, go on, tell us what was it really like. He's like, yeah, after that night, um, she complained endlessly that all of my friends were awful and that no one wanted to do anything. It's like, mate, every, and every single one of us said, we all tried. We all yeah. tried for you. And they were the one who didn't want to work. They just came into it with a negative attitude. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I've had times where I've, you know, I, I have those days where I come into a group of strangers and I'm I'm feeling quite shy today. Like, I don't really want to go introduce myself to everyone one by one and have those experiences. But if someone comes over and is like, oh, do you want to get involved? It's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Thank you. Like, thank you for being that person to come and help me out. 
And generally as well, they lead to really fun nights. We had, do, me yeah. and you, we had a moment exactly like that where yeah. we were at, uh, what was it now, a, a gaming event? Yeah, we were like a, a small little gaming tournament, like, you know, and uh, it was a couple just, of people threw together at uni. And then just the hosts, um, after the fact, we just stayed behind and helped them tidy up and stuff, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just randomly went, oh, do you want to come to our house? And we ended up just went back to their house, yep. if you remember. And we were yeah, in their house. We, we didn't know any of these people. But we had like uh, we played drinking games with them. They bought all the booze and said, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, well you're our guests." Mm-hmm. We had a, a good night playing games with them. We never su- saw anyone at that party ever again. No. We left, and I remember which we found twenty quid on the floor as we were leaving, <laughs> um, which we used to buy takeaway. And we we're about to go out to play Smash Bros. Yeah, and that's did. one of the the most fondly remembered nights I've ever had. Yeah, and it all happened because we went into it with a positive attitude and we said yes to the new experience. Like, hello, new friends. Let's go back to and let's go have a drink. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not telling everyone to go like go follow strangers, strangers house all the time. But obviously, it's different when it's like, oh, you've got a friend with you. It's a bit more, bit more safety there. But when it's just a, oh, you've spent all night, yeah, like, you know, having casual chats with these people organising like this event, and then yeah, you help them tidy up and stuff. And it's like, oh, we're just gonna go play some drinking games at a flight. It's like fuck it, yeah. Yeah, it's um, having a positive outlook is um, generally a good thing. And there's loads of studies being done. It's like just be thinking positively generally has an impact on people's like sense of well-being. Like there's a, a really telling study where it is people are asked, "How do you feel?" Just on a scale of like one to ten, mm-hmm. and it's like I feel like this, and it's like you can make people feel markedly better in themselves by simply making them smile. Yeah. Because, it, because the act of smiling psychologically make, it releases endorphins and makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So the simple act of smiling makes you feel better. I know it's sometimes difficult to do, but it just goes to show that just uh, um, the simple change in your mindset and something as simple as just smiling can make your day better. And people who are positive, by and large, uh, report having better quality of life. And I uh, can tell you more. Like, for sure that... I know the opposite is true as well because I used to work with somebody that was, the, again, another super, super negative person. Mm-hmm. And the moment that she got onto shift, it'd be like, oh, hi, you okay? No, I've had a bad day. <laughs> you just don't want to talk to him, do you? Oh, and then it, like within an hour, the entire morale of like everybody on shift had notably gone down every day that she was there because... She just bring like a cloud of negativity into the team, and it's like something you actively have to fight against to try and make people feel better. It's just you just don't need it, dear. No. It's like for fuck, like why are you approaching this? And sometimes like, people do have a bad day, but like I said, there's been a number of studies that have shown this. Like, just approaching something with a positive attitude makes uh, makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like a bunch of like, and it's there's no real rhyme or reason to it. It's like the theory is it's like people who are positive um, are more likely to you know accept um, new ideas and will talk to people, mm-hmm. which can like you know in a tangential way result in because I think one of those is like positive people usually get have higher paying jobs. It's like oh, being okay. positive means people want to talk to you and like help climbing the corporate ladder is as much about being sociable as it is about being competent at your job. Yeah, for sure. And you don't want to promote someone who you don't want to spend time with. Well, um, I know, like, Jenna was recently talking to me about this because they were 
dealing with like hiring a new person to their team and it was like look mm-hmm. we can teach them the skills they don't really need job experience what we need is for them to have like a good attitude and we'll teach them the things that they need to learn down the line mm-hmm. and they were they were like look do do not put on the application like they must have experience in this sector it was like just make sure we get people that are like nice and have a good attitude that's what we want yeah it says here, I've got something here. This is um, John Hopkins uh, Medicine.org. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing I've heard the name John Hopkins before. I'd trust them. And uh, it's referring to like, a number of studies. This is like a, a meta analysis of several studies about just having a positive outlook on life. It's like you're a third less likely to have a heart attack. Fuck no. Just little things like that. Um, yeah, you're 13% less likely to have a coronary, just a coronary event. Yeah. And like this again, this um, so yeah, here we go. A University of Kansas study found that smiling, even fake smiling, reduces heart rate and blood pressure during stressful situations. Hmm. Like this, and there's like a bunch of like little things like that. It's just just having that positive outlook will markedly improve your life in ways that I basically are tangible, but by the like, intangible to quantify how it works. It's just, just people who are nice, people want to be around them. Yeah, which will in turn lead to less stressful situations for yourself yeah and like that thing is nobody wants to be in a room sat with someone who's like sitting there complaining but then obviously if you're in a a social situation where you're in a group of friends and you're the one being negative that will probably lead to more negativity because people are going to start avoiding you and then you're going to feel bad about that and it's yeah it's just a cycle there's like one here as well. Um, uh, scientists have yet to discover the exact psychological mechanism. This is just like, again, a meta-analysis of like several studies. Yeah. Um, but uh, current scientific research shows that positive thinkers would appear to have a stronger immune system um, after a study that um, um, law students um, who have a more positive outlook on life tend to get the common cold during cold season. Um, uh, they're less likely to get that. Um, then students have a bleaker outlook on life. And again, just having a positive attitude, there's like a number of factors that could be influenced by that. Uh, maybe if you're more positive, you're eating better. Yeah. You probably eat better. You probably have like a better social life. Like, you know, your immune system might be stronger. Like, but again, they don't know why. There are a number of factors people think about. It keeps your heart healthy, which we just mentioned. It can improve fertility. It reduces stress. Like, it's just a whole bunch of stuff that it does. And it's just then, but being a sad sack means you get to complain. And complaining is fun. So have you ever heard that? It was like because um, this is the thing about studies where there are so many, and you can fr- and they often get framed in ways that you can like maybe not anticipated by the study holder. Oh, okay. Like, have you ever seen that great thing about um, breaking down everything the Daily Mail has ever said causes and cures cancer? Oh, I, I saw that a few years back because everyone got mad when they were talking about like bacon and eggs giving cancer, like. Causing and curing cancer, yeah. depending on the year that you looked at it. And it was like, oh, God. And then people just broke down, like, yeah, here's all the times they said something will cause cancer, and here's all the things, often the same things on the list that will cure cancer. Yeah. Um, so this is, like, a thing about, uh, in the UK, specifically, there's a tabloid rag called the Daily Mail, and for some reason, one of the headlines that they like to do is... Insert object or food stuff linked to lower or higher um, rate of getting cancer. Mm. And it's just like over the years, they've done it with so many fucking things that there is a website that I'm on right now called Kill or Cure. 
And the um, the mission statement at the top is to help make sense of the Daily Mail's ongoing effort to classify every inanimate object into those that cause cancer or those that prevent it. Amazing. And, and Lucas, would you like to pick a letter from the alphabet, please? Well, I know bacon, so we're going with B. Go for B, then. So we're on B. Uh, let's go through. So babies both cause and prevent cancer. <laughs> uh, because there's a headline here, IVF raises cancer risk, but breastfeeding cuts cancer risk. Having a baby can make you fat, but it can cut your risk of cancer. But also can call... Uh, uh, but then there's another headline here, having a baby increases risk of ovarian cancer. Baby <laughs> bottles cause cancer. So there's like three headlines here about them causing cancer. Baby food can cause it. Bacon causes it. Barbecues cause it. Beef causes it. Beer both causes and prevents it. And you have like... The best advice is you have like six headlines here. Three drinks a day raises breast cancer risk by 30%. Uh, bowel cancer danger from just one glass of wine per day. Cheers. Now they tell us beer and wine give us cancer. Um, then there's a headline from another Daily Mail article. How having a pint could protect you against cancer. Oh, God's sake. And I, it, uh, this goes on and on and on and on. And just my favourite ones, though, just the ones where it says uh, they've had contradictory headlines of, oh, here's a big one about it curing it or helping prevent cancer. And then now it's causing it. It's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And it goes to show that if you interpret a study, uh, you can interpret studies any way you want. And usually uh, much of the chagrin of the people doing the studies, because that's uh, mm-hmm. something I've learned in my many years of research, um, like reading. Because usually you'll get like the hyperbolic headline in a tabloid, which is uh, attention grabbing. And then you'll track down the original study. And usually the actual answer is a lot less satisfying and usually more nebulous. And they'll always end with the same thing of further study is required. Yeah. Well, Carl, further studies does not make a good headline. Yeah, do you know why? Because with further studies required isn't as attention-grabbing as the headline as eating one sausage a day raises cancer risk by 20%. <laughs> one sausage a day. Oh, fucking, my word. It's just, it's it's so bad. and uh, I think it goes out saying, well, fuck. Fuck the Daily Mail. Yeah. Fuck most newspapers. But and especially I just fuck the a... Daily Mail. As someone from Liverpool, I have to also throw in there, fuck the sun, the sun oh, can man. go and die. Should we tell that story? Because that, that's one of the ones where it's a story, it's something I'd heard, and I wasn't, I've never been to Liverpool, but I'd, I'd heard the story. So would you like to just explain briefly what um, the background is for that, for people who may not know? Um, so I was not alive at the time this happened, so bear with me, I'm, I'm not 100% on the details, but essentially, um, when the Hillsborough disaster happened, where like m- many fans in a Liverpool game um, died and got crushed. Yeah, it was like, a, a stand collapsed, was it? Um, let me double check because there was, I believe Hillsborough was um, people getting crammed into the, the gates. And then something like went wrong, terribly wrong. And um, unfortunately, um, like, several people lost their lives. And also, while Lucy's researching, welcome to our comedy podcast. Yeah. Um, as we discussed the Hillsborough disaster. But this is like... Uh, like this is okay. Yeah. As dark as it is, it's a very interesting so, jumping off point for what we're about to talk about. The Hillsborough right. well, disaster was yeah. a fatal human crush during a football match at Hillsborough Stadium in Sheffield, South Yorkshire. Oh, it happened um, here, bloody hell! Yes, it was in an FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, um, and it was in the two standing-only central pens in the Leppings Paint Stand allocated to Liverpool supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, so shortly before kickoff, in an attempt to ease overcrowding outside the turnstiles, the police match commander David Duckenfield ordered exit gate C opened, leading to an influx of even more supporters to the pens. This led to a crowding in the pens and the crush, with 96 fatalities and 766 injuries. Yeah, and it's fucking insane. Like the numbers, like 96 people die. It's like one of the most tragic um, losses of human life, like preventable losses of human life. Yeah, very uh, preventable. And essentially, I will boil the uh, the whole thing with the sun down to the sun over and over again um, made like headlines and articles blaming Liverpool fans completely for the disaster. Yeah, and it's um, they made some incredibly, incredibly awful wrong claims on their front page. Yeah. Uh, the one that sticks out to me being that, oh, here's a photo of Liverpool fans looting the dead. Mm-hmm. And what they were is pictures of Liverpool fans helping people out of the wreckage. Yep. And they took the photo and just literally just lied and said, oh no, they're looting, the, they're nicking people's wallets. Um, which is, uh, one, super offensive, and, and two, like, plays on a really awful stereotype about Liverpoolians being thieves. Yeah, and it's a, it's a stereotype that generally has gone away now, but it's still semi-prevalent, but it things like that certainly don't fucking help. Yeah, as when you've got like a front line, a front page headline saying, "Oh yeah, Liverpool fans robbing the dead of their own team." It's like fucking hell, and then yeah. it went on for like thirty-four years. Like it was only just solved recently, wasn't it? The inquiry they kept. Yeah, so the inquiry went on for yeah, as you say, like over thirty years, I believe. Because they they couldn't figure out who to assign fault to because the police kept um, mysteriously um, uh, losing information about what exactly had gone wrong. Yep. And it wasn't until like 30, 40 years later they actually admitted fault. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a police issue. Like the fans were not at fault at all. Like what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and obviously uh, all of those um, like absolute fucking just lies and horrible shit that the sun spread. And they refused to, to back down as well. They, they completely refused to back down. And they, they just doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on the, um, the situation back in the past. And... Yeah, this led to just the entire city of Liverpool being like, no, fuck the sun and everything it stands for. And that that like um, attitude stands to this very day. Yeah, and our, this is something I had heard about when I was studying media at university, mm-hmm. where we talked about this disaster and like how um, media, like the responsibilities of the media. And it was a discussion of was the, like, what responsibilities does the media have to report fairly? And it's like, here's a really extreme example. Yeah. And I always remember my tutor closing off by telling us, like, after he recounted the tale, that uh, to this day, you cannot buy a copy of The Sun in Liverpool. And I thought that's one of those like, facts, like, you know, in big air quotes, that people say what's not exactly true. I went, surely 30 years later, people would have, like, stopped giving a shit. And it's like, nope. Yep. But I went to Liverpool. I went in every shop I went in. I looked. You cannot find a copy of The Sun. And I... Um, did some independent research of my own um, after the facts to double check this and the sun has tried multiple times to relaunch in liverpool and every single time they have failed to the point where um, the sun had a national campaign to mail a copy of the sun 
to everybody in a specific area of Britain, which just so happened to include like somewhere on the outskirts of Liverpool, and they had to issue a national apology. Oh god! Because they didn't realise, and because so many Liverpool were that incensed that the post office had posted a copy of the Sun through their letterbox, Ooh. and it's like that is some fucking dedicated hate, and I respect it so much. Yeah, and I know um, one funny story. Well, I guess a funny and a bit tragic story. It's like, like funny, funny in a dark way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I remember Jenna telling me this: of there was a band that came to play in Liverpool. Okay. And uh, this this um, situation regarding the sun is not widely known outside of Liverpool. Apparently, as someone who's lived around here the whole my whole life, that's all I've been told. Um, but the band came on with t-shirts that had like the sun branding on them why would you do that uh, but because they didn't know oh god they had that's no like... idea and before oh, they could so even bad. start the gig they got booed to the point where they just straight up cancelled what was going on and just left like they what? weren't they couldn't even get on the stage anymore like they couldn't play yeah uh, it's oh god like that is so bad oh man i how could nobody have told them? Surely, like, the manager of the club or something would have had a quiet yeah. word in their ear. Like, mate, take that off. Honestly, well, it's not funny. it was just n- nobody involved knew. But I'm surprised oh. that, like, someone backstage didn't go, like, man, really? You're going to wear that on stage? Okay. It's like, wait, why? It's like, oh, yeah, you'll get, you'll get fucking booed off stage, that's why. Yeah, like, don't do that. That's a bad one. It's um, You get similar stories, like, in the realm of football. Um, there's a, a thing in the UK around November time. Uh, everyone wears a poppy. Yes. And I forget. I'm going to double check the name of the player now um, because this is again, this is like one of those head like awful things that newspapers do to like you know drum up controversy and just yeah. whip up whip people into a frenzy. So. Uh, da, da. That's it. So James McLean. Um, okay. So he ref- he refused to wear a Remembrance Day poppy. Um, on his shirt, it's like, why doesn't he wear a poppy? That's to remember the fallen. Is the headline that you'll see in like the Daily Mail and yeah. the Sun and things like that. And the thing is, though, he's Irish. Uh, he was okay. brought up in Northern Ireland, and he, he doesn't wear it because of the events of Bloody Sunday, when six people were killed by English forces. So why do you think he doesn't want to wear a symbol commemorating English soldiers? Yeah, yeah. And that, that is fair enough, but obviously that's a thing of, oh, well, this person isn't wearing it. How disgraceful. And that's the thing, yeah. And you'll see it where he, that guy, like, people threatened to kill him. Fucking like, hell. His own team were like, you've got to wear it. I'm not wearing it. Like, people, I, like, my family could have been killed by Britain. And he says that he wears, like, a white poppy instead, which is more symbol, like, peace. Yeah. But even that's not good enough. And you'll get, um, uh, Papers like the Daily Mail, they whip people into a fucking frenzy mm-hmm. by putting hyperbolic headlines like, he doesn't care about Britain's fallen. And it's like, no, it's just like, it represents something that, like, you know, he doesn't agree with, which is like, you know, very fair, given the background of this man and Britain's historical relationship with um, uh, uh, Northern Ireland. And we have here a the Daily Mirror, which is like, you know, another one of those rags. And I'm, oh no, it's no comments. I'm going to look now for a um oh come on let's try and find a really shitty i'm just going to google you know what james mclean here we go i'm going to oh, google okay. james mclean 
and I'm going to Google Daily Mail. Well, funnily enough, I'm on the, the mirror right now looking at a different article about a poppy. Okay. Um, and it's about uh, Piers Morgan getting slammed by people for wearing poppy incorrectly. <laughs> and it was a couple Why? of years back. And it was um, that apparently like people are, are saying, that were saying at the time, like, oh my God, um, the poppy should be at like the 11 o'clock position so that the, the green leaf is set on the left and like Piers Morgan's was tilted over to the right and people were apparently losing their shit on Twitter like, Piers Morgan, how dare you wear the poppy at the wrong angle? It's like, like uh, the way I've heard this summed up is the uh, one of the biggest problems with Britain is that everyone over 40 thinks they fought in World War II. <laughs> and it's like such a true thing where people over, thir- like, people over like late 30s, early 40s, like, they act so high and mighty about yeah. like, World War II. And I'm just now on an article about uh, James McLean um, and you've got the Daily Mail um, comment section, which is always a bastion oh, of uh, good ideas. And just like, you know as well that it's good that every single person has the default stock profile photo, which is just like a completely blank face. Because <laughs> no one is willing to put their actual face and name next to one of the things they're saying. Every single one is like, sack him, sack him. If, if I saw him in a pub, I'd kill him. Let's have a look what else we got. Uh, this guy is an absolute imbecile. No club should allow him to wear their shirt. From a guy called DMC. So he likes Devil May Cry. Brain dead. What a bad role model. Oh my word. Footballers aren't generally known for their brains. This one's even worse than usual. Most footballers have a low level education. The brighter ones appear on TV. You don't need a high IQ to be technically gifted. And it's this like, vi- what? Just <laughs> the- fuck off. This vile little man knew exactly what he's doing. He hates all things British. Set the pounds in his pocket. I don't blame him for hating English. Uh, what a Thank div. God. It's about time he grew up. Oh. Stick to... Fl- go back to Ireland. I feel sorry for his children having such a poor father. Oh, man. He should be sacked. No one should pay him to play football ever again. He wants locked up. Oh, Calm God. down. It was a joke. Jokes are funny, this isn't. So there's an argument happening there. It's like, uh, yeah. Like, uh, the Daily Mail, I, I remember there was like an old Twitter account, it's like just summing up the, de- like getting comments from the Daily Mail and just posting them. And they're always amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Daily Mail comment sections, like, there is, there, like, I'd argue probably the worst, but also the best. I <laughs> just because like, how stupid people are. Because you just know, you just fucking know that, that you can picture the exact kind of person who leaves them, can't you? Yeah. Where it's uh, like, gammon is the phrase until we use over here. <laughs> I love it. Like, I've not heard anyone but you use the term gammon, but I love it. it it's a popular one. It's like, um, it's the British equivalent of a, a Karen, but a man. And when asked to define gammon, the phrase I've heard is just Uncle, it's Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a... Um, a rotund, red-faced, just middle-aged man who reads the Daily Mail because that's the literal description given of Uncle Vernon in the first Harry Potter book. Well, uh, the, the way that I've heard you refer to it is like, why is it gammon? And it's like, oh, because it's pa- uh, fat, pink, and salty. Pretty much, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that that sums them up. Oh god, I love it. So. 
Here's, uh, so we're now on uh, Daily Mail comments on Twitter. Uh, we have a head, and what it is, it's headline and then a comment. So would you, okay, like, to go yeah. through a, would you like to go a few, through a few of these with me now, Lucas? Yes, please. Okay, so the title is, Could Your Old Toys Be Worth a Fortune? Experts reveal the 90s must-haves that are worth thousands secondhand. And how to spot if yours is worth telling. And then we have a comment here from Western Girl in Devonshire. The only beanie baby I have is the British Bear of the Union Jack on him. I wonder what that's worth. Response from um, a guy in Nuneaton in the United Kingdom called Bill. Um, five years in jail for racism. <laughs> you know, Lucas, because it's racist. Uh, if there's one thing Brit- like people read the Daily Mail like, it's like the idea that you will be sent to prison for wearing a Union Jack. Fucking hell. <laughs> they love that shit. Oh, okay. So now we have... Uh, they have um, another headline here. Um, coronavirus deaths in Europe past 200,000, with Britain recording more fatalities than anywhere else on the continent. We have a comment here from John50 London, who's in London. So his comment tells you that he's in London, but his name is John50 London. Britain being the most popular country. They all hate us, but they all want to live here. Strange, really. What? <laughs> so he just sees that London has the most fatalities and assumes that means London's the best. He goes, yeah, yeah, a lot of people dying in the UK. That means we're popular. Yeah, London's winning. Yeah. That's all he sees. Like that, that, He sees that and goes, London is winning. Like, we're at the top, baby. Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> so we have a headline from the Daily Mail. And I think this highlights just how poisonous this like tabloid is. Because this is a literal headline that went out on July 2nd, 2020. Is there a secret COVID tracker on your phone? New feature suddenly pops up on Android and iPhone handsets without anyone installing it. And this is something I learned about um, when I was studying like, how to break down the media. And it is um, an old adage that if any headline has a question mark in it, it can be answered with the, it can answer, be answered with the word now. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So if they say, is there a secret COVID tracker on your phone? Question mark. Because that's a headline you can write. Not it. Because... But the answer is no. But let's read the comments, shall we? We have uh, Amanda in London. In front of your eyes lies a secret evil global agenda. It's the United Nations agenda. Uh, the plan, total totalitarian world government, 400 upvotes. The new world order is here, folks. Buckle up. From Road Club UK in London. How do I get this creepy unwanted tracking software off my phone and stop reinstalling? From Peter in York. Oh my god, it's amazing, and it's similar to like what we were saying a couple of podcast episodes ago. Man, if you just told people that masks were like a anti-government tracking thing, everyone would be fucking wearing them. It's like, oh my god, oh, um, shitty headline, shitty clickbait headline of like, does your phone have coronavirus track? Everyone immediately goes, oh my god, get this violent evil thing away from me. Get it off my phone. <laughs> oh, man, this is a good one. Uh, Meghan Markle is seen in fits of giggles in a candid snap shared by British Vogue editor Edward Eninfull from a behind-the-scenes um, issue of their Forces for Change. Oh, sorry, a behind-the-scenes photo of their beha- uh, Forces for Change issue. Um, to- a comment from Tony the Wiz. There she goes, the annoying one doing her thing. Can you be more of a narcissist and self-absorbed like she is? I say not. So uh, somebody took a candid photo of her enjoying herself. And, and he's like, like, man, what a narcissist. What a fucking narcissist. And 
Like, this is one of those things where I don't think Americans... Actually, I think they'll understand it, but, like, the sheer amount of it was, like, almost incomprehensible to me. Mm. Where um, Prince Harry, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Harry, yes. Yeah, so he's third, fourth in line to the throne. I uh, believe he would be third. Oh, he's, like, fourth or fifth now because his brother's had some kids. But he's, like, a pretty big deal. Like, oh, he shit. is like yeah, because the British... Brothers. The British monarchy is all fucked up. Yeah, well, it's oh, he, fucked up. It's fucked up. He is, um, at some, he is in line for the throne at some point, and um, he is probably one of the most popular figures in all of Britain. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely become like, or was I will say was probably the most popular of the royal family. Yeah, he is like a beloved member of the royal family. He's had a few hiccups. There's that time he wore a Nazi uniform. He did a PewDiePie. Yeah, for some yeah. reason decided to wear a Nazi uniform on a mate's stag do it's like fucking Ari what are you doing yeah uh, but um, I, I think it can all be led back to uh, which is also like a, just an example of like the tabloid media working themselves up into a frenzy uh, his mother Princess Diana of Wales um, a, a lady who was famously or infamously I should say um, killed by the media because they were so like, rabid to get a photo of her that they chased her in her limo, which then crashed in a um, tunnel in France. Yeah, um, um, and, like, morbid fact, I was actually down the road when that happened. Oh, that's, 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 that is a morbid fact. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, the, one of the most telling, like, bits of information that has come out over the years is, um, well, how did she not... Like, she would have been fine. Well, she wouldn't be fine, but, like, um, there are theories that she may have very well survived if the ambulance could have gotten there on time the problem was ambulances couldn't get to the scene of the cr- like the crash for several hours due to the sheer amount of paparazzi mm-hmm. taking photos of the crash including yeah. f- including photos of princess diana in slumped over the vehicle dying bleeding out asking for help and that's a thing that happened and as you might imagine um little harry um, like doesn't have a great relationship with the media neither does his brother they fucking hate the media in all of its forms I wonder they, why with a passion they yeah. detest it like, especially tabloid journalists because they, they killed his mum why yeah. would he not be pissed off and um, recently as of like a year or so ago he got into a relationship with Meghan Markle must have been and, a few years back they got into a relationship but yeah but it's like it became like more public because he got married to a like, famous yeah. American social like an actor and Meghan Markle is black and tabloids they fucking hate that and i don't read the tabloids i don't really give that much of a shit about it. i don't pay no, any, I don't any heed but i saw a breakdown of just yeah um she has been mentioned um three or four times a day on the daily mail website for about a year straight fucking hell like every single time she does anything they make a story out of it and then find a way to uh, frame it as a bad thing. I'm going to try... I'll, while we talk, I'll, I'll try to find a few examples of... Um... Yeah, and I know um, another thing that, like, she was a bit lambasted for is, oh, my God, did you know before she was with Prince Harry, like, she appeared, like, nude in TV shows or films. And it's like, do you mean part of her job? Yeah. <laughs> like, she was doing her job, and she agreed to do it, but yeah, again, plenty of actors and actresses have appeared like nude or to some degree naked in like the media. But it's like, oh no, but that can't be associated with the royal family. Yeah, How never dare for- she? Yeah. 
Never forget as well, we just literally said one of the things that Harry did when he was younger is dress up in full Nazi uniform on a stag do. And that was and just that... a slap on the wrist of like, oh, Harry. Oh, look at that, he's young. He was drunk. It's like, it's a thing. Who hasn't at some point accidentally dressed like an SS officer? <laughs> and then as well, there's that famous photo of him when he got naked on a pool table. So he's literally done the exact same thing of being caught naked. And he wasn't getting like paid professionally to do it. No, he, he, like, there was a famous thing where he collapsed naked on a pool table. Yeah. And the photo of it come out and everyone thought it was funny. It's like, oh, what a lad Harry is. Yeah. And then we have here, like, but basically, um, uh, what has happened is a, um, a lot of uh, writers noticed that the Daily Mail is oddly critical of everything that Meghan Markle does. But they adore Kate Middleton. Yeah. And we can't really think of anything that separates them because they're both incredibly beautiful women mm-hmm. uh, who were like married to princes or uh, set to be married to princes. I can't really place my finger on anything that Meghan Markle does differently. Hmm. What is yeah. the difference between Meghan Markle and the porcelain Kate Middleton? Yeah. Hmm, I do wonder which. And we just have some examples here of like, you know, um, headlines of like uh, how they're treated differently. I presume we're we have... just going to run through a few, but a couple, yeah. And these are and these are on the same. These are on the Daily Mail again, and so the same. Um, uh, it's the same paper, and sometimes the same writer. So the headline here: um, Kate and Will's Inc. The Duke and Duchess secretly set up companies to protect their brand, just like the Beckhams. That's a, a story about uh, Prince William and um, Kate Middleton. No, setting up a, a brand. Yeah, because of yeah, like we've got a lot of people asking us for stuff. So yeah, it's in our rights to do this. Like we're public figures we should probably do this right now like, mm. i'm a public figure i have a fucking company set up big yeah. wangs incorporated then we have another headline here to the to the right a right royal cash in how prince harry and Meghan Markle trademarked over 100 items uh, from hoodies to socks in six months before split with monarchy so you know doing the same thing yeah uh, another one here beaming kate gazes lovingly at sleeping prince louis as she and william attend their f- uh, his christening in their first appearance as a family well, the Queen misses the big day. And then we have one here. Revealed the Queen won't be at Archie's christening because Meghan, Harry and the mystery godparents plan to baptize him today, but I'd rearrange and they realised Her Majesty and Prince Charles were already busy. <laughs> Try to stir up some shit. Oh, God, that's so bad put together. Uh, this is a good one. Not long to go, pregnant Kate tenderly cradles her baby bump while wrapping up her royal duties ahead of maternity leave. And William confirms she's due any minute now. Headline from the Daily Mail about Meghan Markle. Why can't Meghan Markle keep her hands off her baby bump? Experts tackle the question that has got the nation talking. Is it pride, vanity, acting, or a new age bonding technique? Uh, Well, that's a real headline they put. Yeah, that new age bonding technique of feeling your baby bump. So why is your hand constantly on, like, you know, the child that is growing inside of you? (laughs) Like that, like, oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, fuck me. And um, I know, like, you've got a list of things, but I know, for example, she was, like, lambasted for the types of dress she was wearing, even though Kate Middleton has worn stuff similar. and been The exact same, yeah, the exact same dress. Yeah, Yeah. and it's, oh, look how majestic Kate Middleton looks, and it's like, oh, my God, Meghan Markle needs to wear some clothes. It's like, fuck off. Uh, This is my favourite one, though. Uh, like 
Because it's just, like, it's so obvious what they're trying to do. Like, they are, it's a character assassination. It's like, it's the definition of one. Mm. So we have here, uh, both of their weddings, uh, Kate Middleton's wedding and um, Meghan Markle's wedding, uh, they had roughly the same bouquet. It's a white yeah, bouquet. Yeah. So we have here, Kate Middleton's homegrown bouquet of Lily of the Valley foil follows royal code, which is a lot of stuff about royal protocol. Yes. That's archaic and obtuse, but generally you expect to follow it, but... I think Prince Harry and William have, like, over the years, broken with a lot of that tradition, because fuck it. Yeah. Um, the same headline about Meghan Markle's um, uh, royal bouquet. Lucas, you're not ready for this. Royal wedding. How Meghan Markle's flowers may have put Princess Charlotte's life at risk. What? <laughs> Just... What? So she's trying to kill the princess with her flowers. What? That's a real headline. Oh my god. That's a real thing they did. I don't I don't know what to say. Oh, here's one. Uh, Kate's morning sickness cure. Prince William gifted with an avocado for the pregnant duchess. Oh, what a cute story, eh? Mm-hmm. Look at that. Kate Middleton, she's eating, a, she's eating an avocado. What a quirky thing. Like, a royal eating an avocado. I can't see anything wrong with that. Oh, but Meghan Markle likes avocados, Lucas. So the headline about her is, Meghan Markle's beloved avocado linked to human rights abuses and droughts. Oh my <laughs> it's fucking like, God. She eats an avocado, so she's responsible for <laughs> drought. What? Oh my God. These are so good. Holy shit, man. Like, it's, it's so obvious when you see it broken down like this. It's like... Yeah. Like, oh, she's holding a baby bump. And it's like, yeah, but oh, what is it? Is it pride? Is it vanity? And then they genuinely got an absolute just reckoning of shit come their way when they announced they were trying to, like, back away from being part of the royal family. Yeah, understandably so. Uh, because, as you might imagine, uh, this got kind of annoying for Harry and Markle. And yeah, like, maybe. Fuck maybe. this. And what Harry did is he's like, I'm going to step away from my royal duties. Mm. Um, I'm going to get myself, I'm cut off from the crown. As I believe um, the uh, the British taxpayer basically pays the royal family. And uh, Yeah, we pay for everything the royal family gets with taxes. And he's stepping away from that. And there was a huge, huge push online. Like, how can he do this? Like, he's taking British money. He's taking the taxpayer's money and running away. So like, actually, no, he's independently wealthy. His mother was a millionaire. Like his and mother. Also, I'm pretty sure Meghan Markle was pretty well off. Yeah, but like his mother was the Duchess of Wales, was it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, she was, and he inherited all of her money alongside his brother. He's fucking minted whether or not like he gets any money from and the crown. I've never seen somebody take so much shit for going. You know what? I'm gonna step back and not take the taxpayer's money. Yeah. I've got enough money as it is, we'll be fine. We'll deal with it independently. People are giving him shit for it. And the way I saw it summed up, it's it's like one of those like beautiful like I it should be framed and put on like a, a wall somewhere. Hopefully like on the Daily Mail offices where it's just um a lady just breaks down the whole thing. Like when I was younger, I saw Prince Harry on the news um walking behind his own mother's coffin. Yeah. Um, and he had to stand straight and wasn't allowed to show any emotion as people who'd never met his mother sobbed in hysterics mm-hmm. next to him. And he spent all day consoling them. 
Anyway, I'm glad that he gets to move to America and have sex with his hot wife. <laughs> and he's just like, fucking too right. Yeah. You do it. And Lucas, I'm gonna, I've got one more um, Daily Mail headline right here. I'm going to send it to the Discord group for you now. I'd just like to... It's a spot the difference for you now. So read out the headline first. Okay, okay. Um, so the headline is How Megan returned to her showbiz roots with high voltage Hollywood makeup for her first cenotaph appearance, while sophisticated Kate opted for a more grown up look for the solemn occasion. Yeah, and the cenotaph, like, you know, the empty tomb, like all the soldiers in World War II. And as we mentioned, yeah, British people, like, you know, gammon get really mad when you disrespect yeah. soldiers. Like, even, like, unintentionally. It's like, no, fuck you, you got to pay attention to that. And Lucas, right, describe the two images. Right? Describe the image of Meghan Markle and describe the image of Kate Middleton. Because from what I can see, it's two very attractive women wearing a hat. <laughs> right, so I can't um, read the text that's on the image. So basically it's a picture of Kate Middleton and a picture of Meghan Markle, both side by side, like uh, in the you know outfit and makeup they wore for the day, and there are red lines with like big blocky text that's very very blurry. That like a YouTube, like a YouTube thumbnail. Yeah, and it's describing like uh, what her makeup is like on her cheeks, on her lips, and I can't read the text. But, but you essentially, can't tell both of them are wearing almost like identical looking. Um, like makeup, and then they've both got very, like, um, high neck black attire on. Yeah, like they both were, got they're like both... a black sophisticated hat on. And they yeah, both they're look both... like they're very, very similarly dressed. They're both just wearing conservative dark outfits, you know, to in like you know, recognition of the solemnity of the situation that they find mm-hmm. themselves in. And, and to my eye, I'm not a fashionista, I don't know, but they look virtually identical. Uh, yeah, in overall just tone, I can't see a difference. But, like, the Daily Mail has somehow broken this down and like, yeah, it's a Hollywood look. It's like she's just wearing simple, tasteful makeup. Both the situation. of them are wearing, like, very simple, muted makeup looks. And it's bizarre that it's like, oh, my God. Like Meghan Markle's gone for a Hollywood look, and I'm like, they look the same. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine, like, how pissed off you would be dealing with this every yeah. single day. And then, like, I can imagine the conversation that they had where, like, Harry just went and looked at his bank account and went, you know, I'm fucking rich. Do you, <laughs> do you give a shit? Do you want to be the queen? And she's like, no. Do you want I'm to be right. king? And he looks and goes... No, I'm all right. My brother's got it. Let's fuck off. Like, at the end of the day, he probably looked at it and went, there's no real chance of me becoming king before I'm, like, 80 anyway. Fuck it. And, like, I am so, just so happy that he's, like, fucked off. And it, the the kind of people that it pisses off Yeah, is, like, I'm, amazing. I'm really not a big fan of the stock we still put into the royal family myself and as i've mentioned you know the fact that they take so much of our fucking taxes and use it on like big lovely fucking weddings that cost millions upon millions of pounds and shit like this i'm like to me it's a lot for very little oh yeah um, but it's like it's a british institution it's but... a, it is a british institution i don't 
like said institution myself. And that's just my opinion. You yeah. can have whatever opinion you want, obviously, but yeah. You're not going to harass just, his, his, his hot life. I love the fact that he's like, oh man, we're stepping away from that shit. We can't be dealing with it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just fucking off right now. And um, I will always, always, always have a soft spot for Harry because he was like generally seen as like the more wild of the two princes. Yeah, and as well, I respect him for actually, you know, ballsing up and joining the army. Yeah, he did. And um, I think Prince William also served. And there's just this thing where um, Prince William's wedding day was turned to a, a bank holiday. So everyone in the UK gets a day off. Yeah. And they were planning to do the same thing for Prince Harry's wedding. But I liked the online petition there was like, no, 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 no. Don't make his wedding a day off. We need to make his stag do a day off. Make Prince Harry, <laughs> the push to make Prince Harry's stag do a national holiday. It's like, I am so on board with that. I was like, yeah, I want the country to celebrate Prince Harry's stag do together. Yeah, because I show you, well, see, there's like the, the wild to earth guy and the, a bit of a party animal, yeah. And the thing is that that's more true to life for the royal family because um, the few snippets we've ever had um, looking into what they're like, um, it's, it's very bizarre where the Queen, um, like contrary to her, her uh, like public image, which is just the Queen. A very uh, she's, calm demeanour. She's reportedly in private, very funny, um, mm. very down to earth and like quite homely. And mm. it's said that... Uh, one of her favourite gifts she got on a Christmas day one was like a, an a, uh, an apron. Yeah, and it just and it said something stupid on it like "Oh, um, God save the Queen" or something <laughs> like that. And then there's like stories about her, um, like some of her cleaning staff or something like that were cleaning up the throne room and they played Dancing Queen or something like that. And she came in and danced into it. It's like, I'm sorry, Your Majesty. <laughs> it's like, well, this is my song. It's, I'm a I'm a queen and I like dancing. Amazing. And there's just loads of cool stories like she's been. And then there's that famous video of when she granted a, a very rare interview, and it's like, oh, would you like to see the crown jewels? And then it was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the crown jewels. And like a guy with like these immaculate white gloves brings the crown in on a silk pillow, and the queen just starts pointing at it with her fingers and pulling it apart. Because yeah, it's this <laughs> like it's about fifty carats, this diamond right here. And everyone's like, oh my god, your majesty, you can't handle the crown like that. Why? It's mine. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, who the fuck is going to stop me? It's like, it's my crown. And there's um, a couple of like uh, great anecdotes about people who encountered her that shows her sense of humour. And one was um, she was out walking in Balmoral, her estate. Oh, okay. And so American tourists bumped into her and didn't recognise her. And they <laughs> asked her, oh, we've heard the Queen lives nearby. And the Queen responded, yes, I've heard she does. And they go, oh, have you ever met her? And the Queen responds, no, but he has, and motioned towards her bodyguard. And they took a photo of the bodyguard instead of her. Because <laughs> he'd met the Queen. <laughs> and she was apparently endlessly amused by that fact. But I've got just one more Daily Mail headline. And it's from a guy called David. And it was um, in response to um, a headline about people in Sydney celebrating New Year's Eve. Joke obviously, New Year's Eve happens at different times for different people across the world based on time zones and that. Yeah. And David in London is pretty pissed and he has the comment here, why can't we all wait until it's 2018 for all of us and then celebrate? Why do people feel the need to celebrate when it's still 2017 in other parts of the world? We should all celebrate together. Idiots always have to be first because it's so cool. It really isn't, by the way. 
And just the description is David absolutely laying into Sydney for having the audacity to celebrate New Year's Eve before us. <laughs> and I want to know, like, did David wait the extra like six hours for Asia to have their New Year's? <sighs> oh God, because like, yeah. Again, that's another thing of like people just seeing like the fucking either the UK or like the world or whatever just just getting revolved around like themselves and it's just like oh my god how dare they not celebrate new years at the same time as me yeah. it's just there's people out there where they just see any slight as like the most awful insult they've ever heard yeah like they can't deal with the fact that britain isn't as big a deal as they seem to think it is and it drives them mad and you only have to look at like all the responses to Brexit. So I'm just going through his Daily Mail headlines. They're all so funny. Carl's just going to spend the rest of his day looking through Daily Mail headlines now. Oh, they're so funny. Like, there's one here that just says, say no to racism. Um, 34 up votes, 2,500 down votes. <laughs> fucking hell. He just, he just sums it up, doesn't he? And, like, I'm, I'm laughing. I know it, like that's fucking awful, but just the stupidity of people just kind of amuses and kind of baffles me. It's like, oh, God. Oh, man. You don't know whether to laugh or cry. I've got this. I'm sorry. It's um, it's someone's... Like, they've retweeted an exchange between Donald Trump and um, um, some nice lady. And she said... It says, this is a real exchange. And the lady says, they killed my mum and my six brothers. Donald Trump responds, where are they now? The lady responds, um, they, they killed them. He controls the nukes, Lucas. How's that make you feel? Did you see the one where, um, was it like yesterday, the day before, where he came out and was like, oh, uh, Michelle Obama was so stupid to like run with her pre-recorded video that she talked about. Her numbers for coronavirus deaths aren't even correct. It's like, are you having a go at her because she didn't get enough people on the coronavirus death toll when she recorded that video. Oh. Are you wanting to, her to update to today's death toll? Is that what you want, Donald Trump? <laughs> it's, it's great. Oh, I've just got one here. Um, remember, this is from like 2019. Um, and it was from the uh, the female um, soccer championships, the World Cup. And okay, if you yeah. remember correctly, like America fucking dominated that year. Yeah. And what it was is uh, Alex Morgan, I think she was the, the captain of the team. Okay. Um, when they absolutely fucking stonked on England, she celebrated a goal by pretending to sip a cup of tea. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that is fucking brilliant. I am all on board with sportsmen just fucking killing it. Yeah. Like, I, I want to see more dumb celebrations. Piers Morgan was mad and complained about it for an entire day. <laughs> of course he And like, we could go by by... I adore the idea of showboating. There's yeah. a story that happened recently in America. I don't fully understand the specifics of it because it's about baseball. Because I, okay, I don't yeah, watch yeah. baseball. It's not really a thing over here. But uh, the gist of it is is that a player hit a home run. Mm. But um, his team were already up by like 3-0 or something like that. Um, and it's got what's called a grand slam. So uh, Americans right now are cringing hearing me explain. But basically... He got a home run, but they were already winning by so much that it was seen as poor sportsmanship. They're like, oh, you're, you're making fun of your opponent by absolutely fucking crushing 
that hit and getting a home run. And he had to go onto the news and apologise. What? For getting a home run. And he's been fined. No. For unsportsmanlike conduct. Because he crushed it too hard. And that's a thing that he's had to He's had to apologise for being too good. Right, I'm, I'm just sorry, wondering. but like, <laughs> if, if they, you know, I watch football and I, I don't watch baseball, so I can't really, again, talk specifically about that sport, but like, you know, in football, if you're 5 6 nil up, you don't get fined for going and styling on them and scoring another fucking goal. You do get criticised if you like uh, start showing off though. I mean... Which is a thing. You, but like, some I... people do, but like, obviously you've got some people like Cristiano Ronaldo that like, that's part of their like brand, brand and their personality is like, yeah man, I'll fucking score eight goals on you and showboat about it. And it's been pointed out as well that in baseball, uh, like their ability to negotiate their contract when they're a free agent mm. and can be influenced by their stats. So if he's got the opportunity to get us a home run, well, the foot fucking would he not take, take it? it? But it's the idea that like he's been criticised, punished, and penalised, and forced to apologise for being good. And like, I, it depends on how you do it, obviously, because yeah. if he then turned around and started shouting like "this team sucks," the I thing get is though, it. But I don't just, care. I got a home run. I'd be like, "Yeah, man!" Like if you're pumping up the crowd and going like, "Yeah, we're great." But if you turn around and like shit on the other team, uh... and there's a the thing though where I don't, I want that to be a thing that comes in because like in baseball, like uh, flipping your bat um, is an instant fine. You're not allowed to do that. Right. Yeah. So if you get a home run, um, it used to be a thing where you get your bat, flip it. Yeah. It's like fuck yeah, I've, I crushed it, man, and then walk off. Hmm. It's like what the fuck I've won. You can't do it about it. That's uh, you get an instant fine for that. And I think no, nah, you should get more money for doing it because it's awesome. <laughs> and I um, and there's two like there's a distinction I draw here, and it's in amateur competition. That's where sportsmanship, um, like belongs. Yeah, like, um, like Joe, like when you have those stories about like kids' football games where like, one team crushes it like 150 nil, yeah. something like that, and then the other team of kids just starts crying. Yeah. At some point, it's like, yeah, don't like. Sport is about, like, you know, teamwork. Maybe that makes those kids feel like... In, pro- in a professional setting, where you're all being paid millions of, like, dollars or pounds to do this... Yeah. And you are, like, the absolute pinnacle of what this sport represents. Mm-hmm. For, like, I want to see you do, like, crushing it every game. If you've got the opportunity to absolutely dominate your opponent, fucking do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, like, I also wanted to bring up... Yeah, like, I forgot about the fact that also... People who like score goals in football often get bonus pay for every goal they score. They do, yes. So, but... are you asking if we're the, like, that team's winning so hard for you to go, nah? Like, I know obviously footballers are paid enough, but just on the principle of, no, you're not allowed to score another goal and earn more money because that would be unfair to the other team. But then you have a thing, oh, and as well, I'm the perspective of if I was that other team and I found out that the other team, like, well. We could have scored like five more goals, but we didn't want to like make you feel bad. I'd feel so pissed off about that. Yeah, and I actually remember a time. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, but it was in the last like 10, 20 years. But at some point when I was younger, um, Liverpool ended up playing in like the English Cup against a team that were, I believe they weren't even like in a professional league. 
They That's were amazing. in like the semi-professional league. Oh man, and, they and like absolutely... a lot of them were like part-time footballers and part-time like you know had a job. At like a, you know, as a waiter or as like a binman or something like that. Oh, that's amazing! And this team came out and like, obviously they were all just fucking happy to go to Anfield and play a fucking game against Liverpool. Yeah, why not? But Liverpool, like, I think they sent out a bit of a weaker team, but they still respected them and played a full game of like proper football. And the other team did well and like scored goals. But how insulting would it have been if it was like, oh yeah, Liverpool just didn't try because they knew they'd start on you too hard. Yeah, you know, they fielded like their B team. Like, it's more insulting, yeah. and if you want to approach it from the perspective of like sportsmanship, like, it's I'd argue it's poorer sportsmanship to go easy on your opponent. Yeah, like true sportsmanship is you respect the skill of your opponent, and I respect you enough to do my best. Because can you imagine being like, oh yeah, man, we scored against you. That was fucking amazing. Like we're not even in a professional league, and then it's like, oh yeah, I let that one in for you. Yeah, we let it in. Or they, like, field half a team or something like that to give you a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, for me, there's nothing better than when, like, those underdog teams, like, in football, especially, like, when they play against the big teams, like, the ones that are, like, they're pretty much guaranteed to place in the top ten, if not top five, or win it outright. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get, like, a low-level team who scores one goal and celebrates like they've won the World Cup. Yeah, and I you love see that. Those times where it's like that team will be five, like five nil down, but score one, one goal. goal and just lose their absolute shit. And I love that. I like, celebrate like you've won the World Cup when you're five nil down. Yeah, and, like, I do that all the time when I play FIFA because I'm terrible at FIFA. But mm-hmm. when I score on my t- on a mate, because I contend that you're so much better than me that the mere fact that I'm scoring a goal is more insulting. I don't mind if I lose. I'm going into this. I know that my losing is just, you know, it's a matter of fact. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you, but you go into this thinking, well, I'm going to win 5-0. When you lose, when you win 5-1, I know that annoys you. And I remember seeing, um, I can't remember which Smash Bros player it was, but I remember seeing someone write up like, okay, so what is it actually like to play against like a professional Smash Bros melee player? Mm-hmm. And it was like, Three of us on like the the you know uh, magazine team or other went against this one guy, and we couldn't touch him to the point where we celebrated when we got a hit on him. Yeah, <laughs> on a three v one, and it was just this guy's so good, he's like fucking untouchable, and we were just happy to get a hit in. Getting one hit on him makes you feel like a man. Yeah, and it's just so good, and um, I. In the like a wider sense, I really, really dislike the idea. Like sportsmanship is a thing. Like sportsmanship entails going all out on your opponent. But at the same time, like um, professional sports, like they are spectator driven. Yeah, yeah. And sure. like we've spoken on the channel before about um, Ronnie O'Sullivan, very famous snooker player who, um, despite being one of the most naturally talented and gifted snooker players of all time, absolutely hates playing snooker. And only really plays it these days because he's good at it and he makes a lot of money. Because every time he tries to have fun, um, he gets criticised. Or fined. Oh, for like not being a sportsman. Yeah, or for showing off. Or for like um, doing trick shots. Right. Okay. I went, like, um, in snooker, generally, it's like a 147 is the absolute most you can get. Technically, you can get a higher score. 147 is generally the highest break. So if you're winning by like 100 points, mm. you've basically got, got the win. Yeah. And when he's doing that, sometimes he'll play left-handed because he's ambidextrous. Uh, right. Sometimes he'll do trick shots. Sometimes he will intentionally 
just miss shots to draw out the game as like a psych-out tactic for his opponent. Yeah. And that, as a spectator, is very interesting and fun to watch. Well, that might seeing... convince me to watch snooker for once. Because you are seeing a master of the sport, like show you how good he really is mm-hmm. by like deliberately putting himself like you know in a worse position to and then still coming back from it and yeah. every time he does that he gets fined for unsportsmanship conduct and there's a great story where he played with his left hand for an entire frame and his opponent was so mad he filed an official complaint with snooker's governing body and snooker were like sorry ronnie you can't do that so unsportsmanlike to uh, disrespect your opponent in such a manner and Ronnie O'Sullivan, when they asked him, you've got anything to say for yourself? He went, yeah, I'm better with my left hand than he is with his right. <laughs> and they were like, "You be, like, for, like being so flippant, said, okay then, we're going to make you play against the World Billiard Championship from like last year um, in three frames when you got to play with your left hand. And he beat him 3-0. <laughs> and that guy went, he really is just that good. Yeah. And they apologised to him. And then like, there's other ones of... Um, he asked what the uh, the pot bonus was for getting a one four seven break. It's like the most difficult thing to accomplish in snooker. Mm-hmm. And the official told him that, oh, it's uh, f- uh, it's £5,000. And okay. in the previous tournament, it was 10000 And he went, well, that's not enough. So you, you're shortchanging me. This is the most difficult thing to do in yeah. the sport. Like Me doing this consistently has easily sold you an extra couple thousand tickets because people will pay to come see me play to see me do this because it's mm. like a once it's like a once in not a lifetime but like a blue moon thing for a player to be able to do I but think I deserve like not for him yeah not for him but for other players like one of those is like to see one live is like the holy grail of like going to a match yeah. so his matches are always sold out so I've made you so much money I don't feel like um, like that is being acknowledged. So mm-hmm. what he did is he got a one four six and deliberately scuffed the last shot, <laughs> and he got fined for doing it because he was taking the piss. Oh, for fuck's sake! It's like just let him have fun with it. Like he's yeah, like the let only people the, enjoy their sport. He's like the closest thing Snooker has to an actual character people give a shit about. Yeah, it's like um, have you ever seen what's it like um, sports personality of the year? And um, every then every person who wins it. it is a complete fucking nobody with no personality. Yeah, and that's like, just because they want like the straight edged person to come in like, and just do the job. Like, I remember one year when he questioned run it. Uh, it's like they never speak. I've never heard this person <laughs> speak, and they are the sports personality of the year. Uh, it's like, oh god, it's just just let sports people have fun I with what they're doing. I was weirdly enough watching just a series of interviews with, I don't even know the footballer, but a, like a European footballer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a, a series of interviews where he's just like clearly wants to just not give a shit to piss off the interviewer. Uh, Zlatan. Uh, it, that, no, hearing no. that. Oh, is it not Zlatan Ibrahimovic? No, it's not Ibrahimovic. I would have oh, known what? it was Ibrahimovic. Um, but it you was just like name. a, oh, uh, do you think you've done well today? Yeah. Oh, well, do you think you could have done better? Well, yeah. Oh, how do you feel about today? Well, it was good. And it was just like minutes upon minutes of like different interviews, just clearly getting super aggravated that you won't give them fucking anything. And then he just walks away with a smug little smile on his face. Oh, that's amazing. And it's just like, oh, yes, I love it. It's similar uh, to like Andy Murray, isn't it? Where he's as dry as fucking possible in interviews because he just hates them. Yeah, and he said, uh, "I it's just 
Yeah, Andy Murray is a tennis player. He's known for being just like Mr. Porridge. He's so fucking boring. And it turns out that what it actually is, that apparently he's quite a you know normal person and quite a happy guy. Yeah, we've made a video on this. But he hates like, doing interviews so much that he will just be the blandest person on earth to get out of them. Yeah, we made a video about it where it's a deliberate strategy from him because he says, uh, I'm so sick of my everything I do being overanalyzed by the media. Mm-hmm. I um, I endeavor to be as boring as possible so they don't want to interview me anymore <laughs> because I don't want to talk to him. Because I, I, he had a situation where he said something about when it was Scottish independence. Oh, yeah. When that was yeah. a thing. Like, you know, as a Scotsman, a proud Scotsman, he's like, yeah, I support Scottish independence. And he was taken out of context by the media. Of and course. he got shit on Twitter for it for like two months and yeah. still does to this day. He's like, fuck it then. And that reminds me a little bit of a football manager called Gordon Strachan. I hope mm. I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he is legendary for his post-match interviews where he does what that player you were just talking about, where he just, he takes the piss. Mm-hmm. And we have here, so we have a couple of quotes from him here. So, welcome, reporter, welcome to Southampton Football Club. Do you think you are the right man to turn things around? Strachan, no. I was asked if I thought it was the right man for the job, and I said no. I think they should have got George Graham because I'm useless. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, are you getting where you want to be with this team? Strachan, we're not doing bad. What do you expect to be like? We were eighth in the league last year in the cup final and got into Europe. I don't know where you expect me to get to. Do you expect us to win the Champions League? <laughs> oh. Oh, reporter, this might sound like a daft question, but you'll be happy to get your first win under your belt, won't you? Uh, under your belt, won't you? Strachan, you're right, that is a daft question. <laughs> oh. Imagine asking that. Will yeah. you be happy to get your first win as a team? Yeah. Yeah, fucking Report- no shit. Reporter, after they'd lost, after like three straight wins. Oh, no, there goes your unbeaten run. Can you take it? Strachan. No, I'm going to crumble like a wreck. I'll go home, become an alcoholic, and maybe jump off a bridge. <laughs> um, reporter, you don't take losing lightly, do you, Gordon? I don't take stupid comments lightly either. <laughs> Gordon, in what areas do you think Middlesbrough were better than you, you today? Well, what areas? Mainly the big green one out there. <laughs> Gordon, do you think James Betty deserves to be in the England squad? I don't care, I'm Scottish. Gordon, can we have a quick word, please? Um, Strachan, velocity. <laughs> Reporter, Gordon, if you were English, what formation would you play? Strachan, if I was English, I'd kill myself. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, oh I just, and just that thing of like, I just refuse to take this seriously. Yeah. It's like, I just love that one, though. Uh, in what area do you think that you, uh, Middlesbrough were better than you? Mainly the big green one. <laughs> yeah. It's just, what do you expect him to say? It's like, oh, you were, uh, you spent, like, your team got absolutely fucking annihilated for 90 minutes straight. How do you feel? Not great. I'll be honest like, with you. I do love it when it's like, oh, just interviewing players. It's like, oh, would have you liked to score more goals today? It's like, yeah! And they just look at them like, what? What? Are you for real? Like, would you have enjoyed winning this match instead? Well, no shit. And it's like, how do these people get fucking jobs as interviewers when that's all they can think of? I like the, um, the Lee Evans bit about it, the comedian, where he says, like, I just want to see 
like he's talking specifically about boxers. Oh, right, they yeah. go in and they're, like, they're always like really aggressive. Like, oh, fuck, I'll have him. Yeah. Knock him out. First round. One one hit. That's all it's going to take. He went, I just want to go out there and be honest. And be like, it's a bit big, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. He's a big one. I'm not sure I can take it. He's a big lad. I- I'm really, really not confident. He is, but he is <laughs> massive. I did not think he was so scary. Or like coming out and it's like, oh, this person's been unbeaten for like 50 fights. What do you think you're on? So it's like, not good. Not good, but I'm going to give it a fucking good go. Yeah. Uh, but like something that I was going to bring up earlier, but we kind of got a bit sidetracked. As you mentioned that some sports are just so much better than other people. Yeah. And it's like, it's good for the spectator to see that. It's like, yeah, that's, we want to see like you at your best, doing your best. And it has a, a story. Um, actually, it's a book, in fact, written by an author called um, uh, Todd Gallagher. And the title of the book is quite simply, Andy Roddick Beat Me With A Frying Pan. Okay. And this is a book about um, just exploring how much better are professional athletes than the average person. Um, right, yeah. It's all inspired by a just a drunken conversation about whether a professional tennis player could beat the average person, not with a tennis racket, but with a frying pan. Oh, okay, yeah. So what this guy did is he got tennis professional Andy Roddick to play against him with a frying pan, and he won. Fuck me. And don't you want to start seeing that stuff get introduced into um, uh, real sports? I would like, love it. Like modifiers in sports. Well, um, God, like, yeah. I, I, the one thing that comes to mind always when you mention stuff like that is just that stupid commercial of the, um, oh, the football match has entered a draw. Let's go to, like, extra time multi-ball mode. Yeah! <laughs> and it's just, let's shoot 50 balls onto the field and just see what fucking happens. So I am a bit, I hate the idea that a football match can in a draw. Like, yeah. And that's why I only generally watch um, the big like the games, cup matches because they they're not allowed to win in a draw. We have to dis- a winner has to be decided. Yeah. So they have either is it silver goal? So they, they have like it? the um they depending on what tournament or the, what time they'll normally have like extra time where it's you know if you win whoever wins after half an hour uh, you can have like silver goal where it's if you're ahead after fifteen minutes and you get the half time of extra time you win or there's golden goal which where is the first whoever scores score first wins. wins. Yeah, the weather still the first, and then if that, uh, after all that, um, it still doesn't uh, dis- like, um, result in a winner. They go to penalties, which uh, a lot of football fans hate. Mm-hmm. I adore because they're so annoying. Because people get so mad at them, uh, but they're so tense. They're so so stressful to watch. And like, I know of at least like one was it like the Portugal match. The England-Portugal like, one. The very famous Portugal-England match. The, like, where I think po- it was Euros 2004 in Portugal. Where Portugal, to style on the English, had their goalkeeper take a penalty. <laughs> and they and he scored, and it's like, oh my God. And then I remember this thing, because I was watching it at home with my family, mm. and they pan to, across the Portuguese crowd, and they're laughing. And it's like, <laughs> oh no! Oh, but at the same time, that makes it so tense. Yeah. It's so tense, it's awesome, and I want to see more shit like that. But that shit's like mind games, isn't it? Cause then it is, yeah. the England squad would turn around and be like, oh man, they're fucking styling on us with a goalkeeper. But that's the thing, that is, like, it's all, I fully, con- I contend that, as it shouldn't fall under the umbrella of poor sportsmanship, it's mind games. It is, yeah. Like, because I- if you get put on tilt or frustrated by that, and you allow it to affect your performance, then it worked. 
Well, it's like um, we talk about a lot in games where it's like taunting and sell up and like um, teabagging and stuff like that. I contend it is a perfectly legitimate tactic, and if you get annoyed by it, it's working. Yeah, because if you proceed then to get angry and play in a way that's outside of like you know um, optimal. Yeah, and then the other person can take advantage of that and wins. Like that was a perfectly valid tactic, and I want to see it in sports, like over enthusiastic celebrations. I'm not going to lie, Carl. I'd love it if someone like tackled a player down to the ground in football and then just teabagged on them. <laughs> it'd be great. It'd be like, <laughs> just it'd like be yeah. Poor, it'd be poor sportsmanship. It would be fucking amazing. It would be and I, so funny to watch. Like I've said, I want to see. I'd one day want to turn on the news and like, oh yeah, it's the result. And now with the sporting news, you have the results of the Grand Prix. And uh, in an unusual twist, uh, Lewis Hamilton won the Grand Prix today and celebrated by doing donuts on the finish line <laughs> while spraying the champagne at everybody. It's like, that's great. He won, well, he should celebrate. I'd fucking love it if um, it's like, yeah, we give the champagne bottle to first place. What they do is just shake it up and spray it in the face of second place. Oh, man. Like, it's great. Though. Have you ever seen that great comic of like, it's the guy, he gets handed the medal and he celebrates, he bites it, he cheers, he kisses the girl, hands it to him, he sprays champagne everywhere, and it zooms out and he's in third place. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I want to see that. I want to see the person in third place just celebrating like a jackass. <laughs> it's great. But um, like, one thing that I think we could discuss before we go is like keeping it in the realm of sports and just dumb things that happen. And just um, You mentioned golden goals specifically. Yeah. Are you aware, Lucas, of the infamous Barbados versus Grenada match that happened in 1994 for the Caribbean Cup? Um, I might when you get into the details, but it doesn't ring any bells right now. Okay, so this is a Wikipedia page. This is like a bonus Wikipedia weekend, to everyone. We're going to go all <laughs> the way through it. So, Barbados, Grenada, 1994 Caribbean Cup qualification match. So, on January 27th, 1994, the Barbados national team and Grenada national football team played against each other as part of the qualification round for the 1994 Caribbean Cup. Due to an unusual scoring rule, the two teams' respective positions in the tournament, it became ultimately in the best interest of each team to score an own goal. Okay. The result has been described as one of the strangest football matches ever. (laughs) So, here we go. So, the organisers of the tournament had imposed the rule requiring all matches to have a winner, and this was enforced with an unusual variant of the golden goal rule. Um, which we've discussed, but here's a clarification for anyone who may want it. The first goal scored in extra time not only won the match, but was also worth two goals. Barbados started the match needing to win by a margin of at least two goals to qualify for the final tournament. And after Grenada scored um, late in normal time during the scoreline to 2-1, Barbados deliberately scored an own goal to force extra time, where they could get the two-goal winning margin they needed courtesy of the unconventional golden rule, golden goal rule. <laughs> this resulted in an unusual situation. For the last three minutes of the match, Grenada was trying to score on both goals, as either outcome, 3-2 or 2-3, would have advanced them to the finals, while Barbados had to defend both goals. <laughs> Ultimately, Barbados was able to prevent Grenada from scoring, thus forcing extra time, and scored the golden goal to win the match. <laughs> So uh, it's basically like for the last three minutes, you just had one of the teams defending both goals. It's like, oh, if we score an own goal, even though the enemy team, like, the enemy, enemy team, the opposing team, I've played too many yeah. video games. They're not your enemy, they're your opponents. <laughs> the opposing team, even though they technically win by 3-2, because they don't have like the aggregate score. The two-goal advantage. They still lose. So like, oh, if we score an own goal, we win. And Barbados realised that and had to defend <laughs> both goals. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just like one of those stupid things. Like, I, I, if you told me, if you told me this happened, or if you put it in a film, people wouldn't believe it. Yeah, that's the kind of thing where if you make it up, it sounds so false. Yeah, it's like uh, Cool Running, which is based on a real story. Even like, though it, it sounds impossible, it's actually yeah, real. A Jamaican bobsled team. It's like, no, there, there's a, a, a an unconventional, admittedly, history of um, uh, uh, like island and tropical nations competing at the Winter Games. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a couple of like really famous stories like... Um, did you ever hear the one? It's referenced in a Simpsons episode, actually, where um, Russia boycotted the Olympics. Okay. Okay, there's a famous site where basically um, one year, um, it was uh, America boycotted the Olympics. I'm going to double check. It's like around the Soviet Union, because this, like, ama- this is an amazing story. So, um... Right, okay. Oh, God. Cool running such a good film. Oh, it's oh, great. Man. I love it. I watched it the other day. It's on Disney. Oh, is it? Yeah. Didn't realise it was a Disney film. Yeah, it is. Disney made Disney on everything. So, they do own uh, this, everything. So this is um, a marketing campaign. I mean, nineteen eighty one. We can end on this. Like I said that last time, well, uh, that went a bit quicker <laughs> than I thought. But this is uh, something that was referenced in an episode of The Simpsons that people might not realize. Oh, it's, a, it's a, based on a real thing that happens. So here's some background. So um, LA is now one step closer. This is an article on LAist. Mm-hmm. So um, and they're talking about how LA might secure the twenty twenty four Olympic Games. So. Um, they're just going to talk about a uh, like one of the most embarrassing uh, like failures of like marketing cross promotion with the Olympics. So, so where is the actual thing? So, I hate when they do all this shit at the beginning. It's like I don't care. Oh yeah. So here we go. So get to the meat and potatoes, man. Here we go. So before the start of the 1984 Olympic Games, McDonald's struck up the idea of giving away free items for every medal that the US won. How it worked was that when a patron, upon purchasing an item at McDonald's, they would get a scratch, ca- a scratch card with an Olympic event on it. If the US team won gold in that event, the patron would get a Big Mac. If the team won silver, the patron would get french fries, and bronze would mean a soft drink. In certain respects, it was a genius idea, because it gave people, like, you know, the American people a tangible investment in the games. So yeah, you'd I be think celebrating I remember that. hearing something about this. Uh, but here's the thing, though, was one factor that marketers didn't fully appreciate. The Soviet Union wasn't joining the games that year because um, the previous year, 1980, um, America had boycotted the games held in Moscow because right. of like um, uh, Soviet warfare in Afghanistan. And as a result, um, the USSR um, similarly boycotted the 1984 games, which uh, McDonald's mar- marketing team didn't account for. And it says here, this was major because the Soviets were a sporting powerhouse. And as noted at SB Nation, the absence of the communists also meant the absence of Soviet gymnasts, East Germany swimmers, and North Korea's table tennis phenomenons, meaning that the US would go on to drag the opposition through the mud, while the Americans and uh, the Americans ended up securing a uh, whopping 94 medals at the 1976 Summer Olympics, 34 of them being gold. Um, at the 1984 Olympics, they got 174. Holy shit. With 83 of them being first place finishers. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. And there's like a couple of like stories where like some of the people um, that Americans were competing against literally had never swam before. <laughs> there's like there's like a swimming event where it's one person didn't know how to swim. Yeah, I th- yeah. Some, like there's some stupid story like that where oh yeah, the person they'd never seen a swimming pool before, and like yeah, and they never thought oh well 
Which usually, and there's a Simpsons episode where they do it, where they talk about how, oh yeah, don't worry, we've rigged the competition where the only scratch off you'll get are events where Soviets always win. Yeah. And then Soviets boycott the games, so yeah. it's like, oh, there's no one else to compete. Oh yeah, maybe that's where I have heard about this, but like, God, yeah, that's a uh, that's grim because that meant that for almost every single event that existed, McDonald's would have had to give away items to essentially everybody that had ever been to McDonald's. Yeah, and it says here we have some uh, just additional facts here about the whole debacle. Um, a 1984 New York Times article noted that. Um, some of McDonald's 6,600 um, outlets ran out of Big Macs. Oh, no. There were that many being handed out. Um, the, the, the McDonald's refused to tell anybody how much they spent, but uh, the Times got an economist to, uh, you know, to work out like a rough figure. And their total, what they came to was reportedly just the word mind-boggling. <laughs> just uh, it says here that uh, we have some testimonials here from people who managed to who lived when this was happening and just speaking about it quite fondly. Yeah. And it says here that some families were able to sustain, um, like, you know, just their kids and their entire selves, like, you know, on McDonald's food for several weeks. Oh, because, and here's, and here's the rub here, what exacerbated the problem for McDonald's was once the Olympics started and once people started redeeming their prizes, each order got you another game piece. So you could literally walk up with a free Coke coupon, cash it in, get a new game card of an event that just finished yesterday, where the US won gold and silver, and you could tune in that, and you could turn in that new card for food immediately. Plus, you got two new cards to play with. Oh no, they they really weren't clever about this, were they? Yeah. So basically, it was like an endless feedback loop. Yeah. Of oh, you go up, you want a free Big Mac. Here's your Big Mac. Here's your card. Oh, my card was for an event where we won gold. Here's your Big Mac. Here's your card. Oh, we won. <laughs> We want silver in that. Here's your gold. I'm oh, sorry, like, uh, here's your fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here's the card. And it's like, oh, no. It's just, yeah. Yeah, then that needed to have the clause in there of, like, you will not gain a coupon on redemption of a coupon. It's just, like, it's so funny. Like, that's, that's like, oh, that's so fucking poor, poorly thought out. Like, to so, the point where that could end a business outright. If it was if that was anyone but McDonald's, that could have very well like crippled the yeah. business. But like, the idea that oh you'd win, you go in and redeem your free Big Mac, they give you another fucking Big Mac. <laughs> what? Who thought of that? Yeah. What who genius thought, thought of that to put no limit on it? Just the amount of Big Macs you can complain that like, they ran out of Big Macs. Not fucking surprised. But oh yeah, that's amazing. It's like there's just like a couple more testimonials. People like yeah, um, um, during like the you know, the Olympic event period, like the two weeks, we'd stay at McDonald's every day. We didn't pay. We didn't pay for any of it. We bought I don't one blame meal. People, yeah, because it's just free food. We bought one meal at the start, got our cards, and those cards were basically just that system of just redeeming and then getting another one and redeeming it again the next day. Yeah, allowed us basically to eat for free for two three weeks. And it said that, like college students were like fucking loving it because <laughs> it, it's free food. Yeah, it was it virtually guaranteed that one. Of, if you bought a meal, cause every, every item you got would give you one card. One of those cards would be a winner. Yeah. So it was like it was guaranteed that you were going to win at least something. Oh, that's man. amazing. That is amazing. And I can't know they bring that back. They never would. Now nah, they're too smart. And also, I just don't think like an, another Olympics, unless more countries boycott it again, would ever be that one-sided. Yeah, probably not, but it's just so fucking brutal. Oh, 
God, that is brutal. Just, oh man, I, I can't believe they did that. I, just, here's a Big Mac. Oh, here's your new card. Oh, one of the Big Mac, sweet. Oh, I mean, I'm Mac. not going to lie. That, I'd do it. That would have been a hell of a lot of goodwill, like, for years upon years, for everybody yeah. towards McDonald's. Because people, people would always remember that time they got two weeks worth of free McDonald's. Yeah. And the fact they they honoured it. And uh, we've spoke before, haven't we, about that? Is it the disastrous Hoover campaign? Oh, yeah. Where they offered people free flights if they bought a Hoover. And initially it was free flights to Europe if you bought a Hoover. And some genius in their marketing team said, um, theorised and proposed to the head up, uh, the higher-ups in the Hoover that, well, um, when people see that their prize that they get for buying a Hoover is like, you know, so valuable, a free trip to Europe. Mm. Of course they're going to buy the more expensive item. It's like, that's not how the human psych, like the human mind works. No, people, people did, will buy like the cheapest fucking thing on the market and go, yeah, give me a free holiday. That. And then uh, that scheme might not have ended as poorly as it did if not for the fact that the marketing team got way too big for their britches and started to feel themselves a little bit. And went, oh, this is going really well. Let's upgrade the offer. And instead of a trip to Europe, let's offer people a trip to New York or Los Angeles or Miami. Hmm. And as you might imagine, um, gentle listener, a free trip to like Mallorca for buying a £100 Hoover. Bear in mind, you can fly to Mallorca for like 200 quid. Yeah. Not really that enticing an offer. A free seven to eight hundred pound flight to America, <laughs> a place like you know a, a, a very um, like exotic locale for people in the nineteen eighties when this happened. Yeah, um, sales like you know of the of the lowest cost Hoover went through the roof, which is great for Hoover. And so they realised, yeah, for every one hundred pound Hoover we sell, um, people are cashing in a seven hundred pound coupon. Yeah. We are making a market loss on everything we sell. Yeah, everything we sell. And then what happened was like the secondary market got flooded with like um, secondhand Hoovers. And there's a great anecdote of, um, yeah, there wasn't a married couple in the UK that didn't get at least four Hoovers on their wedding day. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone's like, fuck it, I've got like, three, I've got a Hoover. It's like every married couple got like four Hoovers as part of their wedding day. It's like, oh, that's great. And it oh. cost the company like 50 million pounds. Oh, in lost God. revenue, but it, the the real damage wasn't like the revenue because obviously losing money is bad, but losing uh, the prestige that their brand had and the trust the public had in them yeah. when they tried to weasel out of what paying out what people were owed um, cost them their brand recognition and loyalty, and that's what killed the company. Mm-hmm. It's like God damn! So let me a lesson to everyone out there: if you've got a brand and you make people a promise, fucking deliver on it to the best yeah. of your knowledge. Don't try and weasel out of your responsibilities; it's not a good thing. <laughs> It's not a good well, look. Well, I think we could, we could call it that. We've been on an eclectic journey across the internet today. We have been. We discussed many things. We discussed marketing disasters for McDonald's, Meghan Markle, and um, just, like, the sun. That and how it can go fuck itself. Yeah. Ironically, into the sun. <laughs> so, Lucas, do you have anything uh, you'd like to plug for the lovely audience at home? Um, just the usual, really. Of just like, yeah. Um, go and watch me and Carl game on... My YouTube channel, um, Legend of Canto, on YouTube and Twitch. Links to which you'll find below. We have recently started up a playthrough of Pokemon Soul Silver together. Fuck yeah, I forgot how much I like Pokemon. Oh god, it's so good. God, it's 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 nice to just enjoy Pokemon again and not feel and not be angry about it. <laughs> I'm glad. And then as well, you've got your lovely little doggo. So go Dude. follow Luke's on his social medias to go yeah. see his adorable new pet. Go look at Cade. He's do, go do tiny it. I and am. puppy like. I've been doing it like. Um, periodically throughout this 
video and recording. Just like <laughs> haphazardly, just like scrolling through Instagram, and every now and again, a picture of Cade comes out like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 ye